Amen. Amen. Awesome. Kids, I need to talk to you real quick. Could I get all of those kids who are in here, K to fifth grade, could I get you to stand up? Could you stand up all the way across the room? Awesome. Okay, I'm having a hard time seeing you, specifically those who are on the first level. I can see you guys up here because they're elevated. And, um, but for those of you on the floor, could you, if you're on this first level, could you stand on your seat real quick so I can see you? Do you mind? Those of you up in the balcony, please stay right where you're at. We do have lawyers in the building today. And so for the sake of liability, let's not. All right. So I can see you now, kids. Awesome. Awesome. You know you are panicking your parents right now. I am so glad that you are in here, and here's why. Jesus used you as an example of what the kingdom of God is. And so every now and then, every fifth Sunday, four times a year, we have an opportunity as a church to gather as the whole church and as a whole family. And so I'm so excited you're here today. Do you mind being seated? Thank you so much today. One more round of applause for our kids. Now I need to speak to your parents. Parents, if I could get you to stand on your seats this morning. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just, I'm just kidding. You just gave your kids all kinds of anxiety. Um, uh, parents, really quickly, I do want to talk to you. Um, I understand that it is a significant ask for me to expect your kids to lock in for 30 minutes, Okay. And I understand that kids are squirmy, okay? God made them squirmy, whether they believe it or not, they're squirmy, okay? And so as part of that, here's what I need you to know. Parents, guardians, grandparents, if you've got kids sitting next to you, I need you to know that your kids' squirminess in no way reflects on your parenting ability, okay? So I just need to release that from you right now because I want you to be able to lock in. Kids, if you're like 30 minutes, let me give you something very special. I've never told your parents this, grandparents this, but if you're wondering how long is this thing gonna go, okay? I want you to know that on the back wall, there's a TV. For those of you up in the balcony, don't climb over the, again, we have lawyers in the building right now, so you, you can't see it. It's all right. But for those of you on the floor, if at any point during this service you're wondering how much longer is he going to go, all you need to do is act like you're stretching. Turn around and you can see I have 27 minutes and 30 seconds left right now. And that thing counts down every single week and tells me how long I have. So, so if you're ever wondering, kids, you can just go ahead and flip around and see that today. Kids, we are stoked that you are in here. And we are stoked for an opportunity to include as part of that um, just this whole family focus. In fact, uh, today, really, what we're going to do is we're going to, uh, even as you saw that video just a moment ago, um, it, kids... Well, actually, let me, one more thing, one more thing. Kids, if you're wondering what spandex are, <laughs> ask your mom. 
Uh, that's, not, uh, that's not helpful at all. In the 80s and early 90s, um, never mind. Spandex are still around. They're just blue, and now we call them skinny jeans, okay? So, kids, that's, that's all you need to know, all right? I got that. Rock solid for you. Check mark. Um, yeah, okay. Uh, as we're talking about families, I do think it's appropriate that we as a church family, as we're zeroing in, we're aiming towards uh, the strong conference. Really what we want is to make sure that our families are strong, okay? And so if your parents haven't signed up for it, kids, nag them until they do. Tell them to sign themselves up and then tell them to sign you up because at the same time that the adults are are, are going to be having a conference. The kids are going to be having a conference as well. And that focus there is going to be about your role in the family. And I'm so very stoked about the whole thing. And so if they haven't registered yet, nag them until they do. Keep asking them over and over and over again, why haven't you signed up yet until they do, okay? Make sure that you do that. I, I think that's what the pastor is supposed to do. But as part of that, you can tell just by looking at me that I know all about working out. Before working out, you got to warm up. And so what we want to do as a church is over these next three weeks, we want to do the warm up. We want to cover some really basic things so that when we get to the conference, we can dive in to the real specifics of what it looks like. And so what I want to do is over the next three weeks is I want to lay a platform so that we don't have to cover those things at the conference. God is very concerned about families. You see it all through Scripture. God is concerned with families. In fact, when God's talking about the church, you know, one of the illustrations that he uses, one of the pictures that he uses is he calls us the family of God. In Ephesians chapter 2, verse 19, he calls us the family of God. In Galatians chapter 6, verse 10, he talks about us as a family of faith, a household of faith. He uses this picture over and over to talk about us as a church. So what I want to do is I want to go back to the beginning. So if you brought your Bibles with you today. If you would, grab your Bibles. Kids, if you brought your Bibles, go ahead and open them up to Deuteronomy chapter 6. It's the fifth book in the Bible. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, Deuteronomy. And if you have one of the church Bibles, if you didn't bring a Bible with you, there's some that are spread out throughout the seats. Reach over and grab one. If you do get one of the church Bibles, you can open it up to page 151. We're going to be in Deuteronomy chapter 6. I just read a portion of it as part of the family dedications because it's such a part of, of what families are about. And so we're going to be there this morning. When Deuteronomy was written, it was written to a very big family. Kids, you might think that you have a big family. Your family got nothing on the family that this was written to. When Deuteronomy was written, it was written to a family that was probably somewhere between 2 million and 5 million people. <laughs> but even as it was written to this big family, it was also written to the individual families within the big family, which is perfect because as we're talking about a church, we're talking about a big family that is a bunch of smaller families. And some of you who have big extended families know exactly what that looks like. For me, um, 
my, I'm a part of one of six kids, which means that my two kids, Claire and Asher, um, they actually have a ton of cousins, okay? And I don't know how many cousins you have in your family, kids, but my kids have a ton of cousins. But what's really interesting is you can see some of the, like, family resemblances even across those family lines. And so I didn't tell Clara I was going to do this, but Clara, I'm going to show a picture of you. We have a deal in my family, yeah. If I use one of my kids as an illustration, they get a dollar. If I forgot to tell them ahead of time, they get $2. <laughs> so my kids are going to be rich after this morning. Here we go. So I want to show you a picture of my daughter, Clara, and her cousin, Adeline. Adeline was born eight months ahead of Clara. Adeline's on the left. Clara is on the right. That's her cousin who looks like her twin. So you see, even in this family that is, like, she's probably only talked to Adeline maybe seven, eight, nine, ten times in her life, but you see this strong family resemblance even across those. And what that says to me, number one, is the Beauchamp genetics, like, beat the living daylights out of the Farron genetics. You know what I'm saying? What can I say? It's just the way we go. But even though they're like very incredibly close in the way they look and the way they, there's also significant differences, okay? Adeline grew up in Wisconsin. Clara grew up here in Missouri. Clara is a Green Bay Packers fan, whether she wants to be or not. <laughs> she does now. And Adeline, Growing up in Wisconsin is a Dallas Cowboys fan. And I consider that a total failure of the family, which is really what I'm trying to get to here. Because this is the one thing that I take that whole spare the rod, spoil the child thing very seriously. Okay? So, but even as there's these incredible similarities across family lines, there are also remarkable differences. They're not the same kids. They weren't raised in the same families. And when Deuteronomy was written, it was written to the larger whole and a family unit. But it was also written to a bunch of different individual families within that larger family. And that is our experience as a church. So when we read Deuteronomy chapter 6 this morning, I want, to hear, I want you to hear it in light of that today. So Deuteronomy chapter 6, and we're going to go ahead and start reading in verse 1. Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 1. Deuteronomy 6, 1, here's what it says. Now this is the commandment, the statutes and the rules that the Lord your God commanded me to teach you. Here's the thing about Deuteronomy 6. It is the boiled down of a boiled down version of what happens in Exodus chapter 20 and following. What I mean by that is, when Deuteronomy was written, chapter 5 was written with like this boiled down version of the Ten Commandments and what is following. And then after you have Deuteronomy chapter 5, you have Deuteronomy 6, which is like this boiled down version of what was just said in Deuteronomy chapter 5. So what I'm saying is this. Deuteronomy 6 is rich sauce. Okay? This is thick. And it's rich. 
And the moment you read it, you are hearing just like this picture of a bigger picture of a bigger picture. Okay, so this is rich, and what you go back and you look back, it's all really condensed here in chapter 6. He says, now this is the commandment, the statutes, and the rules that the Lord your God commanded me to teach you, that you may do them in the land to which you are going over to possess it, that you may fear the Lord your God, you and your son and your son's son. And right from the very beginning, you get the idea that God very specifically planned on the family functioning in a certain role. That the family was a part of the handing down of faith. And that the primary, the primary way that the family or that the the faith was communicated and shared was through the family. He's not just talking to individuals here. He's talking to individuals and their sons and their son's son. Okay, so right off the bat, you see the family is hugely important to the sharing of the faith. It continues on. By keeping all his statutes and his commandments, which I command you all the days of your life, that your days may be long. Hear, therefore, O Israel, and be careful to do them, that it may go well with you, and that you may multiply greatly as the Lord, the God of your fathers, has promised you, in a land flowing with milk and honey. This is the picture that we are given, that there's multiplying that happens, that the life is long, that the days may be long of that life. The picture is of blessings that go with the family in relation to how they, as a family, interact with the faith. This is why we think it's so important that we strengthen the families here at Praise. Because the stronger the family, the more opportunity there will be for the faith to be shared. Last year, our conference was all about sharing our faith. So is this year's. But it's about how, as a family, this should look. And then we get into what I want to be in this morning. And this next passage is where we're going to be over the whole next three weeks, okay? We're going to come back to this passage over and over and over again. Verse 4. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. I want to read all of it today, and then I want to come back to one spot in particular. Verse 7. You shall teach them diligently to your children, and shall talk of them when you sit in your house, and when you walk by the way, and when you lie down, And when you rise, you shall bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. This is where we're going to be for the next three weeks, really primarily in this warm-up to the conference. And we're going to cover a lot of the important kind of foundational things that will allow us then to kind of hit a home run on that conference weekend. 
But I want to go back to verse 4 in particular. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. This is called the Shema. Kids, it's spelled Shema. So look over at your mom right now, point at her and say, she ma she ma okay good all right one of you did it that's awesome i'm pretty sure it was my daughter she ma you want to know what that means in hebrew it is the first word of that passage here now what does that say to you kids when she who is your ma speaks you had better hear her. Can I get an amen? All right, kids, this is important. When the pastor says, can I get an amen, you say, kids, can I get an amen? Awesome. You are set in any Pentecostal church anywhere, okay? When she who is your ma says something, you had better hear it. Can I get an amen? That's in stone, parents. <laughs> I just heard, okay. All right, here we go. But the reason why it's called the Shema, this is the center of the Jewish faith. And in fact, in the New Testament, Jesus goes back and he points to this and says, this is the center of the Christian faith as well. So he brings it right back up and he says, let's focus in on this again. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. And these things that I have commanded you today shall be written, shall be on your heart, shall be written on your heart. What I love about this is as you step back and you look at the progression of it, it goes from there, these things shall be on your heart, that's where it starts, but then keep reading. Verse 7. You shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand and you shall be and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. You know what's not there? And you shall drop them off for Aaron's children to teach them. It doesn't say bring them to the tabernacle and leave them in kids' tabernacle for Sabbath school so that somebody else will teach them. It's not what it says. What does it say? And you shall teach them diligently to your children. The primary discipler in the family is the parents, period. And I just said that we as a church believe it does take a village, and absolutely we want to support and say and be your biggest fans, but let's step back for a moment and say primary responsibility is with the parents, okay? 
or grandparents or whatever the situation might be, whatever the family looks like, let me just say to you, primary responsibility is not the church. With that said, though, look at the progression of it. It doesn't start with saying, write these things on the doorposts of your house. It doesn't say, engrave them on your gates first. Where does it begin? Go back to verse 4. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. This is hugely important because it comes back to one of the things that is a core value that we've kind of set as a core value of this church, which is this. Change is best inside out. Change is best inside out. What I mean by that is this. That's the way God works. He doesn't start with the outside and work his way in. He starts with the inside and works his way out. So if you want your kids to get something, if you want your kids to learn something, if you want your kids to love God, the place to start is to love God. Don't expect your kids to catch something that you're not living Don't expect them to grab something that hasn't already grabbed you. It has to begin here. And if you look at the passage again, it starts with, what does it start with? Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. It starts with who God is and what he is like. And then from there, it goes to our hearts You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. It begins with me as the father, as the husband in my family. I can't expect to teach my kids something that is not already grabbed hold of my heart. Right? This is how God operates. This is how God works. He begins in me, and then it moves its way outward. And as you look at the whole passage, it moves outward. From there, then, he says, you shall diligently teach your children, and then you're going to write them on the doorposts of your house and on the gates. It keeps moving outward, but it begins in me with my heart first. And I can only talk to the husbands and the fathers as a husband and a father to say you cannot expect Something to happen in your wife that has not already happened in you. You cannot expect something to happen in your kids that has not already happened in you. Don't pray for it to happen in them before you pray for it to happen in you. First, love God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, and with all of your might. And then, once it's written on your heart, it will move outward. And I speak to dads and to fathers and to husbands, but this works for more than just that. Because I've seen it work opposite directions. I've seen it first lay hold of a wife, of a mother, 
and then from there move outward in the family. And I've seen it grab hold of a child and then from there move outward in that family. Ultimately, here's the thing. God changes families one heart at a time. So let it begin with yours. Let it begin with mine. Pray, oh God, first do in me what you want to do in this family. We talk about strength. We talk about strong families. Where does it begin here in Deuteronomy chapter 6? How do you view God? How do you see God? And what do you do with him in your own heart? My house is surrounded by trees. When our house was built, it was built right in the middle of a forest, and I love it, right? It's fantastic. When I brought the insurance agent out to the house, he said, that's a lot of trees close to your house. And I said, I know, isn't it awesome? He goes, yeah, I'm looking at that in a different way than you are right now. I'm seeing the liability, okay? So as part of that, one of the trees had to go. Why was it? Well, that tree had some problems, and it was a little too close to the house. I had to cut the tree down, and then every single year, at least once a year, I go around and I check every single one of the trees that are close to the house, that if wind comes along and blows them over, it will take out the house, and I pay very close attention to what's going on at the base of those trees, because whatever's happening there will affect the top of the trees, right? And so I go and I check out the base of the tree and I see what the health of the tree is because if all of a sudden the health of the tree changes, then I better do something about it. Specifically, what I'm most looking for is making sure that it is solid all the way through because a tree that's hollow, if you look at it from afar, it looks the same as every other tree until the wind blows. If the strength is not on the inside of the tree, if it's not starting at the core and the base of the tree, that tree is not going to be strong. And we get lots of storms around here. And so I check every single one of those trees to make sure that the core, that the center of it is strong. And that's why if you want a strong family, start with your own heart. Pray, God, lay hold of this heart. And then God may it move outward to others. Always start with your own heart. Go back to verse 4. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. Then you shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise. And you shall bind them as a sign on your hand and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. It will move outwards.
You know what I love is the story in Acts chapter 16 where Paul and Silas are sitting in prison and there's this earthquake. They're praising God. And there's this earthquake. And all of the doors are opened up and all of the chains fall off, which I think is a beautiful picture there. But when that happens, they don't get up and leave. Now, if I were in prison and there was an earthquake and the doors are opened up, as it says happened in Acts chapter 16, I would think, this is God delivering me. God is doing a miracle in order to provide my deliverance from this situation. But thankfully, Paul and Silas understood what the voice of the Spirit is and recognized that that's not what God was doing with that earthquake. Because they sat there, I assume because the Holy Spirit said, you sit there. (laughs) Which would be hard when everything around you seems to be indicating this is what God is doing. But apparently God did not send the earthquake to bring them out of prison. Because they stayed there. Instead, according to the passage... The reason why he sent the earthquake was not to deliver them, but to save the jailer. Because read the story. They sit there, the jailer comes along and says, he's about to kill himself. And he says, wait a second, they're still there. They say, don't, wait, 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 we're still here. Everybody's still here, nobody's left. And the jailer says, okay, what must I do to be saved? God sent the earthquake to save the jailer. And the Holy Spirit led Paul and Silas in that. He must have. And they said to him, Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, and you will be saved. But not just you. You and your household. He doesn't just stop with one heart. He changes families one heart at a time. He sent an earthquake to save the jailer, to save the jailer's whole family. If you want a strong family, comes back to faith, and it comes back to what does God first want to do in my heart? But then it does not stay there. He wants it always to move outward. Not only was the jailer baptized, but his whole family. That's the picture. Starts with one heart and moves outward. I want to talk to you real quick about this because we can get the wrong impression of what happens there if we don't stop and pay attention to all of Scripture. All of Scripture is really clear. And we as Americans really think that it's all individual. 
I think it's much more connected than we think between our families. But yet, each and every one of us must make the decision for Jesus Christ. Kids, let's be really clear about this. Your parents being Christian does not make you a Christian. Each and every one of us comes to the cross and Jesus Christ and each individually must put our faith fully and totally, completely in him. And what happens when we do that, not when our parents do that, when I do that, I am saved. But when God does something in me, He doesn't want it to just stay in me. He wants it to move outwards. And so kids, if you have not personally put your faith in Jesus Christ, your parents' faith cannot save you. But through your parents, you can see what faith is. And I would encourage you kids, on the way home today, Ask your parents exactly what Pastor Allen was talking about when he said that. What does it mean that I have to have faith for myself? What does it mean that your faith can't save me? Let your parents kind of talk to you a little bit about that. On the way home today, take me up on that. But God would lay hold of our families and make them strong, one heart, at a time. If you're in here right now and you have not put your faith fully in the sacrifice of Jesus Christ, very clearly, Scripture says Jesus is the only way, the only truth, the only life. And apart from Him, we have no hope but he is our living hope. So if you're in here and you've never confessed him as Lord of your life, in the Old Testament, they confessed the Shema. They said, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Now Jesus said, call me Lord. Paul said, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord, believe in your heart, that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. That's what scripture says. And this morning, I want to give you an opportunity to do that very thing. I'm going to invite everybody to stand with me this morning. This morning, I'm going to pray. And when I do, I'm going to just confess Jesus Christ as Lord of my life. I'm going to give you an opportunity to do the same thing. And I would encourage you, truly, Truly, to say, you are Lord. You're in control. You get it all. I love you. And as you do that, believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, that the scriptures are true. You can be saved. Let's do that. Father, we do come as a family. Oh God, a church. And Lord, each and every one of us individually must come to you On your terms, we must bring our faith. Oh God, we put our faith in you today. 
We confess you as Lord of our life, Jesus. We believe in our hearts that God raised you from the dead. We believe that you truly are our living hope this morning. And Father, what you do in our hearts is miraculous in that, oh God. You're the only one who can do it. You do something in us that is beyond our ability to do. You save us. And you change us from the inside out. I pray that you would lay hold of all of the hearts here by your Holy Spirit. Call to us and say, today is the day of your salvation. Confess me as Lord. Believe in your heart that I was raised from the dead and you will be saved. May that be the case this morning. And Father, I do pray over every family in this place right now in the name of Jesus. God, you have called us to be strong. But we cannot be strong apart from faith in you. We cannot be strong apart from a firm foundation in Jesus Christ. Every family that wants to be a strong family must first deal with Jesus Christ at the heart level. And God, I pray that you would convict us if we're seeking things to happen in our kids that have not yet happened in us. Father, if we're seeking something to happen in someone in our family that has not yet already happened in our hearts, oh God, convict us by your Holy Spirit and bring us back to the cross. Oh God, lay hold of my heart completely and totally first. And then, oh Lord, every other heart in my family, I pray. In the name of Jesus, I ask. Amen. Amen.